I leave with you. My own peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. Please be seated. I give you my peace, says Jesus. Peace. Peace. Can you breathe into that? Just take a moment and breathe. Can you let yourself feel your body sitting in the pew and your feet on the floor? As you breathe, maybe shake out a little tension or exhale with a sigh. And relax into this moment. For it is in being present here and now that we are most able to open to the presence of divine love that is breathing in us and breathing among us in community. My own peace I leave with you. What a welcome parting gift for Jesus' anxious, confused disciples as they struggle to understand, for they don't understand. They don't understand his words about his imminent leaving and this advocate who is coming. John sets the scene at the Last Supper, but it is also the risen Christ who is speaking. As you know, John's sense of time is not linear. In this gospel, Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, return to the Father, and sending of the Comforter are all one great sweeping movement. In any case, he's telling his friends that he won't be with them any longer in the familiar way. They have to get used to his absence if they are to receive a new and essential presence. Surely they have their share of separation anxiety as they prepare to, as a friend of mine says, enter the next mystery. Or, as author Suzanne Guthrie has it, to enter the luminous darkness of the ascension. These tender words are part of a poignant final preparation for them and for us on this sixth Sunday of Easter before Jesus leaves them. What a gift to their fearful, troubled hearts. Jesus promises that he will still be with them, though in a way different from their previous experience. He will send the parakletos, literally the one who comes alongside, a companion and advocate as near as their breath, the divine spirit who will guide and teach and inspire and strengthen them. Like the Spirit, and maybe it's not an accident that we use the image of the dove to represent both peace and the Holy Spirit, scriptural peace is a living thing, an active, vibrant energy. Peace goes forth and it can return. It's intimate 
and it's far-reaching. In New Testament Greek, the word for peace is irene, but the Hebrew word that would have been far more familiar to Jesus' friends is shalom. It's both an everyday greeting and the deepest desire of God for the world. Shalom. The word contains blessing, well-being, healing, forgiveness, deep rest, and wholeness. It heralds reconciliation and peacemaking, the restoration of what has been lost or broken. We may remember Isaiah's ecological vision of the peaceable reign of God, swords beaten into plowshares, the lion and the lamb lying down together, nations streaming to the mountain of God where nothing and no one will hurt or destroy ever again, and everyone sitting beneath their own fig tree and no one able to make them afraid. Shalom offers this vision of life in its fullness, life in abundance. I do not give you peace as the world gives, says Jesus. I do not give you rigidly negotiated balance of power or clinging to advantages and privileges maintained by weapons and superior strength. Those early disciples must immediately have thought of the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome under which their occupied homeland labored, the peace of empire that holds the oppressed quiet and in their place. An absence, perhaps, of active conflict in this imperial peace, but based in a deep violence of injustice dehumanization, and exploitation. The shalom that Jesus gives is freely offered out of God's own disarmed vulnerability, the humility of the incarnation and the cross, a divine dwelling, abiding, among and with humankind. It does not wait for life to be easy. It comes into the midst of our fear, our helplessness, our rage, and even our violence, into all that separates and estranges us from one another and from God. It shakes up the uneasy truces of the world, and it gets into good trouble. This is the peace of the risen Christ, greeting the traumatized disciples as they tremble behind closed doors, hiding from the authorities who have crucified Jesus. Peace be with you, he says. Shalom. Shalom. Elsewhere, this peace is described as breaking down the dividing wall of hostility between ancient enemies, made possible by the blood of the cross, the violence born in Christ's own flesh. It creates a new kind of community, a new humanity in which God dwells with no separation. It's grounded in Jesus' word and example of a love that gladly and generously serves and pours itself out, a love that is willing to lay down its life for its friends.
Our lesson from Revelation this morning also images the shalom of God. Life-giving water offered to humankind, the leaves of the tree of life for the healing of nations and the natural world. As Father Sam said last week, it is a new heaven and a new earth, not somewhere else, but here and now, grounded in the love of God who dwells among mortals in the midst of creation. It is at the same time our deepest ground and our greatest longing. Jesus emphasizes that the peace he gives also gives those who receive it a home in God, an ever-deepening indwelling, abiding, loving, and being loved. My own peace I give you, he says. I want to highlight two aspects of this peace of Jesus. First, to the confused disciples, the frightened friends, Jesus offers the deepest rest of God. He speaks of this gift being received by those who keep his word. And what is that word but simply the call to love? Peace comes when we open ourselves to loving and receiving love, and especially when we are willing to stay on the path of love, even when it gets difficult, as it will, day in and day out. Elsewhere, we hear that God's peace is greater than, or perhaps outside of, surpassing our understanding. And it arrives when the circumstances are anything but calm. In trusting and practicing God's love, we are at home, as a child in her mother's arms is at home. Not because nothing bad will ever happen to that child, but because no matter what happens, the mother who truly loves will continue to hold and guard and shelter and be present come what may. We are continually invited to relax into that embrace, even in the most difficult moments. In the circle of indwelling, we also make a home for the coming spirit, the divine breath who is the ongoing presence of Jesus and who moves in our doubts and our uncertainties, our questions, our longings. She offers us rest even in the middle even in the midst of all that is unknown and unfinished, because the life of God is unfolding in us. However this peace arrives, it is a gift of grace. And the second part of this gift is the creative and courageous energy of peacemaking. Someone once said that forgiveness is an act of imagination, and so is the work of peacemaking. Refusing to let the hurts that have been done to us define us. Refusing to let the way things have been have the last word. Imagining that an enemy could become a friend, that we and others could actually change. Imagining a world overflowing with God's shalom for all God's beloved, 
and especially for those who have lived in fear, oppression, and violence. Peacemaking includes acts of resistance and outrageous hope, persisting in love, inventing new possibilities for healing and reconciliation and for the right relation, which is justice. It's reaching out to people who are lonely or lost or wounded, and even to the violent ones, that they too may come home to God. It's practicing peace within ourselves, tending with love to our own bodies and hearts when we are most in need. I'm reminded of a poem that made the rounds after September 11, 2001, written by Judith Hill. She borrows from the Tibetan Buddhist practice of Tonglen, in which we dare to breathe in that which is terrifying, consciously holding and transforming it in our hearts so that we can breathe out blessing. The imagery taken from that time is still apt as it speaks of intentional engagement with the brokenness of our world and the power of the peacemaker's imagination. She says, Wage peace with your breath. Breathe in firemen and rubble. Breathe out whole buildings and flocks of red-winged blackbirds. Breathe in terrorists. And breathe out sleeping children and fresh-mown fields. Breathe in confusion and breathe out maple trees. Breathe in the fallen, and breathe out lifelong friendships intact. Wage peace with your listening. Hearing sirens, pray loud. Remember your tools, flower seeds, clothespins, clean rivers. Make soup. Play music. Memorize the words for thank you in three languages. Learn to knit and make a hat. Think of chaos as dancing raspberries. Imagine grief as the outbreath of beauty or the gesture of fish. Swim for the other side. Wage peace. Never has the world seemed so fresh and precious. Have a cup of tea and rejoice. Act as if armistice has already arrived. I do not think this practice means that we can be naive about the reality of injustice or the practical, hard, ongoing work we all have to do. In this week, when we have yet again confronted the horrible, death-dealing violence of racism, the murder of 10 precious black people in Buffalo by a teenager poisoned by radical white supremacy, when we have witnessed once more the bitter fruit of our national inability to pass sensible gun laws, surely we are challenged as well as comforted by this text. Surely we are called 
to the ongoing work of peacemaking. And surely we are offered Jesus' gift in the midst of a world sorely in need of shalom. Peace I give you, he says, not as the world gives. The gift of resting together in God, who is our home no matter what, and the persistent energy, the creativity and courage of making a peace grounded in the love of God, who dwells in us and will never leave us. Each Sunday in our liturgy, we offer each other this peace. It's no accident that that moment comes after we have made heartfelt prayers for ourselves and others and heard that we are forgiven by God and empowered and emboldened to share in the work of reconciliation. In these strange pandemic times, perhaps we've missed the exuberance of hugging each other at the peace or bounding out of our pews to greet our neighbors. But also we've developed some new gestures of peace, including sometimes a bow that speaks of indwelling. The God in me greets the divine in you. My point, though, is not to talk about how we do it, but to remind us what we are doing. The peace is not intermission. It's a ritual moment with real power. It readies us for deeper communion with Jesus and one another and for the work of peacemaking that extends beyond the liturgy into the world around us. For us, no less than for Jesus' first disciples, peace is a living thing. And as we say, peace be with you, whether to a beloved friend or a welcome stranger or someone with whom we need to be reconciled. We communicate the presence of Christ, the deep peace of resting in God, and the creative shalom to do God's work, even in times of great struggle. We offer and receive from one another life in its fullness. I now want to say a word to our dear Circa. It has often struck me that these lessons at the end of Eastertide, right before the Ascension, full as they are of comings and goings, presence and absence, anxious, confused, and uncertain disciples, and Jesus' attempts to ready them for a new life they can't really imagine, it has struck me that these lessons and this liturgical moment speak profoundly to the liminal, in-between moments in our lives, too. The promise of peace, not as the world gives, is for our unsettled, uncertain, even unhappy times. It's not that we don't feel everything. It's not that our losses aren't real or that we won't miss each other dearly, but that Jesus promises to be with us even when we leave what we love with a peace deeper than our fears and griefs, a peace that passes understanding, a peace that opens into a place where Christ goes before us. So as you prepare to leave us, dear friend, we pray that you will be filled with that peace. 
and that you will sense that we are held together in the love of God who dwells in us and with us, and in the life of the Spirit who holds all things together and who makes all things new, even us. This is Jesus' gift that we share with one another and the world. Peace I leave with you. My own peace I give you. Thanks be to God. Amen.